Welcome back in this new episode of the podcast where we crack the code of the China e-commerce. Today, with Sandrine Zerbib from Fulljet, we have a guest, Vladimir Jorovic from LabBrand. He will talk about his passion, naming brands in Chinese. Super interesting. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. I'm Bruno Grangier, a partner from Leaf, a law firm based in China. Many companies ask themselves how to make their brand successful in China. Every client asks themselves how to localize their brands. Some clients prefer to keep their foreign name as they believe this foreign element defines better their identity. Some will choose a Chinese name. How to do it? Why is it essential to have a Chinese name for your brand to succeed on the Chinese market? Sandrine Zerbi, you are the CEO and founder of Fulljet an e-commerce consulting agency. You work with famous brands on the Chinese market and your company has received a great award, the top 10 APAC e-commerce company. Thank you, uh, Bruno. So Bruno Granger, you are the founding partner of Leaf, one of the biggest Sino-European team in China. Your firm is specialized on cross-border transactions and has received equally several awards on M&A deals. Among others, your firm is assisting many foreign companies to set up their distribution network in China. Thank you, Sandrine. And today we have a special guest, Vladimir Jorovic. Uh, you're the founder and CEO of LabBrand Group. This is a leading brand agency with a headquarters in Shanghai. You have offices in China, in US, in Singapore, in France, Canada. And you, are, you have helped hundreds of companies, uh, including 4500, on the brand localization in China, including naming and Chinese naming. Thank you, Vladimir, for being with us. And thank you all for being with us. Let's crack the code of e-commerce and distribution in China. So naming brands in China, what are the challenges and opportunities? Let's remind that as an introduction. Naming is key to develop your brand online and in the digital space in China. By digital space, we mean uh, social media, including WeChat, Weibo, and Baidu. Naming is key to adapting to the Chinese market. And we are going to talk about that and give examples. And registering your Chinese, your Chinese brand is key to the security of your business in China. We will see that, that there are numerous legal issues behind that. Why do you need a good Chinese name? Vladimir Jorovic, why do your client want a great Chinese name? Well, thanks, Bruno Ranger, for, for, for this intro. Uh, for, 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 for the participants uh, to the webinar, uh, just a quick uh, quick precision. Uh, we heard uh, naming several times. Uh, what I'm talk what we're going to talk about is these few Chinese characters that goes uh, along a foreign name. You heard probably of Carrefour, uh, Tianefu, or Coca Cola for Coca Cola. So those are the names that go with your corporate name uh, or product name, and so on. so. Uh, actually, why do you need uh, this type of Chinese name to go with your brand? First, uh, and three, three big ideas is naming is a business requirement. Um, and another idea is that it will be a, a very good tool to boost uh, your ROI. And uh, it's also a way to really become a part of this uh, fantastic uh, culture that is the Chinese culture. So um, let's look a little bit uh, one by one on, on those uh, points uh, that are on the screen here. You can see for the business requirement, the sociability is that, uh, for, for, you know, that we will see uh, in more detail in the, in the next section. Uh, but uh, a lot, most of the search in China, be it on uh, 
search engines or on e-commerce uh, will be done uh, by the Chinese consumer in Chinese characters. Uh, another point is the, is the brand equity, is that uh, if you do not give your brand a Chinese name, someone else will. Be it the client, the competitor, the distributor, or the counterfeiters, uh, you will have a lot of uh, new friends uh, to, uh, to play with and to fight against if you don't do it early on in the process in entering China. Uh, the other aspect on boosting the ROI is that uh, your Chinese name will, uh, will be linguistically appealing and attractive to your target market, and it will therefore accelerate the growth and awareness. Uh, shareability, very important. In, uh, we all know how important social is in, in e-commerce in China. It's really a deep trend. Uh, speak the customer's language seems pretty simple. Uh, if you have a Chinese name, it will allow consumer to remember and talk about you, share more about you. Um, and further on, if we go on the cultural part, uh, if uh, your brand, your Chinese brand name is uh, is well chosen, it's uh, it's an occasion to rethink your brand, uh, to localize it, to really think about how your brand will be the local embodiment of your brand culture, values, personality, and vision. So, uh, and finally, I want to say is that uh, you know, for accelerating growth and awareness, uh, a very basic thing is that a brand without the Chinese name, run the risk of being perceived as a brand that is distant from Chinese consumer. And this is uh, something uh, that could be very, very costly for, for a brand. Sure. Sandrine Zaviv, any comments on this? No, well, uh, this is all uh, so true and we're gonna get uh, one by one in the details uh, of all this and we're gonna have lots of examples. But before we look at the slides with example, I want to mentioned a very famous example, which is the one of Timberland, yes. actually. Uh, Timberland had been uh, in China already for a number of years with a name that did not really resonate with Chinese consumers. And they decided, which is quite courageous because it's not easy to, to change name in the, in the course of your business. They decided to change the Chinese name and they went for Tibulan, which actually means kicks but doesn't break and gave this uh, idea that it's unbreakable. And literally in, a, I wouldn't say in days, but in a few months, we saw an explosion of their sales, particularly the sales of their yellow boots, an explosion of their search on Baidu, uh, as well as multiple uh, views of their video. And it had an incredible effect. It's a very famous example, but we will see many others thanks to Vladimir. Yes, yeah, so, and I guess also you can see that on, on the back end of Timor Store, basically for your clients in e-commerce. It is true that uh, we, we I'm not going to give specific examples about my clients, but it is absolutely true. And I would like to mention a specific example that happened quite recently with a luxury brand. Uh, that decided, and you know, after we insisted to use their Chinese names for their store names and for the search and keywords. And again, we had an explosion of both search and views and sales Great. In, a, in less than a month. So Vladimir, you, you uh, proposed, uh, you, you have, a, first of all, your company has named in Chinese LinkedIn, yep. famous uh, social network. What can you tell us? Yeah, I think this is an interesting case. Uh, a global uh, internet company that has uh, relatively well succeeded in China, not a small feat. And um, 
I, I like to think that uh, the choice of the Chinese name uh, was a contributor to that. So uh, you can see the Chinese name in green, and it's also the green um, uh, line on the graph. You can see the green line is growing, is, the, is actually the number of search uh, link on Baidu of Ling Ying, the Chinese name of LinkedIn. And in blue, you can see uh, the, the, the line in English uh, on Baidu. So we can see that uh, from the launch of the Chinese name uh, in 14, uh, the green line has been uh, growing uh, very steadily. And, so, and in 2017, it has surpassed uh, LinkedIn uh, on Baidu. Uh, um, and uh, in 2019, the, the users of, of uh, LinkedIn China has, has been multiplied by 10 in one single year. Uh, there is a very strong resonance uh, with the brand that uh, uh, we believe is linked with the choice also of the characters of Ling Ying, because it's a, it means in Chinese, not that like in alphabetic, in English, as you know, LinkedIn, maybe uh, for most of you. Uh, in Chinese, it doesn't mean to be just linked together. In Chinese, Ling Ying, this song means leading heroes. Um, and uh, we, when we did the creation, we did have some options uh, with names that were closer to LinkedIn uh, original meaning, like uh, Lian Ying, for example, which means Lian uh, linked together, and Ying uh, must be linked together. It's um, um, we did some research and we found out that the name uh, Ling Ying was much more resonating with uh, was resonating much stronger with the audience. And uh, we like to, to think that this uh, has helped LinkedIn actually, as we will talk later, to uh, uh, reinterpret its value for the Chinese uh, market. Okay, great. Let's see in details now the six reasons to choose a Chinese name. The first one, reason number one, is a business prerequisite. Chinese consumers are increasingly using Chinese brand names to look for brand information. That's the first. Vladimir Jorovic, what can you tell us about this? Uh, yeah, you can see more lines here, like in the previous slide, actually, there are just more examples of uh, usage of Chinese names versus uh, uh, alphabetic names. Um, so uh, we can see that the Chinese uh, name of, uh, of Amazon uh, is... Uh, it's pre pretty low, I think, uh, but, uh, but the, the English name is decreasing uh, a lot. And then we have on Microsoft, we can see that the, uh, the, the reactions on any time where we have a buzz uh, is much stronger on the Chinese uh, name than on the, uh, than on the alphabetic name. Um, this means basically that um, the, uh, you know, if you are, doing some su successful work in China, uh, your um, customer will search and find you mostly in Chinese, and it will be also the way for, for you to uh, maximize uh, the ROI. And, and actually, if I want, uh, if I may uh, add to this, it's not only true on uh, search engines like uh, Baidu, but also uh, on, on platforms themselves. A lot of consumers would actually directly go to platforms to do their search, and it's even uh, more striking how much more searches you have on the Chinese name than on the uh, English name. 
Yeah, so when you're talking about uh, platforms, uh, you're talking about Tmall, exactly. JVs, yeah. all the digital uh, marketplaces in China. And Sandrine, uh, Sandrine Zerbib, do you have any example maybe that you can share then uh, that really illustrate the direct impact of the naming? Uh, I think you were you were sharing information on on Christophe maybe or some luxury brands. Yes, I was. That was one of the examples I shared just uh, just now. That indeed, uh, when we decided to find the client accepted to go for their Chinese name. Uh, for the search, uh, it had an immediate. Uh, what is interesting is that not only it had a strong impact, but it's the immediacy of the impact is striking. Thank you, Sandrine. Uh, reason number two, uh, another business prerequisite: if you don't give your brand the Chinese name, someone else will. Either clients, competitors, distributors, third parties, and, and of course counterfeiters. That's a very interesting uh, thing. Yeah. Here, we need to remind something. Uh, the registration of your trademark in, in any country, and including China, is not only to protect yourself from, uh, from illegal copy or for counterfeiting. Uh, having or being uh, the, the, the owner of, the of your registered trademark is, first of all, a necessity to distribute on online platform. Online platform will ask you to provide the trademark certificates. That's the point number one. But also, um, uh, registering your trademark will avoid not only uh, will not only give you the right to fight against counterfeiting, it will avoid a third party that would register the trademark to force you to exit the market. Uh, I, I can take a, a very simple example. Look at the, the history. Look at the, the example of Castel. Uh, this uh, trademark, and we and, and maybe uh, Vladimir, you. You want to tell us more about that? Sure. I mean, I think most of <laughs> most of us uh, have, have heard about those scary stories about uh, about being hijacked uh, with your trademark. And uh, Castel is a good example because uh, uh, maybe most of the French uh, listener here are familiar with this brand. Uh, you know, for, for those that are not, it's a very uh, famous uh, wine uh, trading and wine producer in France, one of the very important exporters to China. So one of their partner, I mean, uh, they, they did register the alphabetic name, uh, but they didn't register the Chinese name. Um, but uh, start to be famous uh, since they launched in 2000. Gradually, the name was, was known and, and used, but never registered. Eight, eight years later, they, uh, their, their, their partner registered the name. <laughs> and um, uh, a year later, uh, he launched a lawsuit against uh, Castel. Uh, and claimed a, a comp compensation of 40 million yuan mm. for unlawful use of the trademark in Chinese, Kasset. Uh, so um, the Wenzhou uh, Intermediate People Court uh, had a very interesting uh, uh, education on this case uh, since uh, they, they, they basically uh, let the uh, local uh, former partner Li Daozhi uh, get a compensation of 33.73 million uh, yuan. So uh, more or less uh, 4 million euro uh, in, that, uh, in that amount in 2012, which is quite massive, uh, knowing that uh, basically not only uh, 
Castel didn't uh, really uh, get its name back, but they had to pay back to pay the, the, the infringer. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that this story, I mean, it happens with the Chinese name. It can, it could even happen with the alphabetic name, but with the Chinese name, the chances are even higher that this uh, happened because there is less, let's say, uh, strengths, or, because the Chinese court will rec recognize the power of uh, a famous brand from a foreign country to a certain extent, but with the Chinese name, it's much more difficult to claim that. So it's clear, I mean, registering your alphabetic name and your Chinese name is very important. And it's actually a security in order to make sure that you yeah. can either distribute, but also produce and export from China. I've been involved in cases where uh, some clients were uh, complaining about containers blocked at the customs while they are trying to export uh, register, product with register, registered name and that were blocked at the, at the by uh, counterfeiters, by people, by third parties having registered that way. To, to end this story on Castel, just I wanted to add uh, one thing uh, is that uh, you know, to make the case uh, even more painful for, the, for Castel, uh, it, it was to, uh, they had to uh, make a public apology <laughs> and uh, 13 years after the name had, uh, to, uh, was in the market, uh, they had to rename and to rebuild a new name. So it took them a long, long time. So I really think, I hope that for the listeners today, they, you can uh, avoid spending so, so long time until getting to the point of protecting, uh, you know, your space of equity for your brand in the Chinese language. Sandrine Zabib, any, any comments, any story to share? Well, I think two stories, one which is quite famous, uh, which is Jordan, uh, the, the, uh, the basketball player, uh, which has his own brand. And uh, his brand uh, has been hijacked, we can say, by a very formal company. So you in Chinese, huh? uh, you have to understand that um, you have a good chance to win if it's hijacked by a company that just sits on it and, and basically blackmail you to, to get money from your name. But as, as long as they use the Chinese name for operations, your chance to win is is very difficult, and it yes. took actually it took eight years for Jordan to be to win, and he won on the uh, on the what is interesting he won on the Chinese characters after eight years of lawsuits. He did not win on the transliteration of the Chinese characters, and he did not win on the logo, which is a little uh, mm -hmm. character of jumping, uh, jumping exactly. Mm -hmm. But I would like also to say to, um, and particularly uh, to the audience, I want to insist on this, that a lot of people, especially when they enter the market in the early stages with the distributor, they think of registering, now they kind of think of registering their alphabetical uh, trademark. They don't, uh, often they don't do this for their Chinese name. And they sort of underestimate the importance. And I think that I can really share this information that it's about 80% of my clients who are in this situation, like re-entering the market or in an early stage of uh, market entry that, uh, that got into this kind of trouble on their Chinese name. Vladimir Jorlik, any, any other stories you have seen? Because it's not only uh, bad stories. Well, I think, uh, first of all, I'm impressed by the number of 80%. I mean, it's really massive. So we definitely see this very, very often, but 80%, I think, practical work. Is, uh, for that really tells how frequent this uh, issue. Uh, for, for, uh, for me, it reminds me uh, the story of uh, Sandrine, reminds me the story of uh, Starbucks, actually, which uh, 
you know, they, they, they had uh, this uh, name, Simba, currently they still have the name Simba Co. And, um, you know, they never thought that someone will intuit the name Simba Co before them and register it. Mm. Uh, so they had a, a competitor for years uh, where Simba Co uh, chain was coexisting with uh, Starbucks. Uh, the story, uh, we talk a lot about trademarks, but the trademark case was won pretty fairly quickly in that case. But it took them uh, about 10 years to, to uh, really uh, get the clean up, to clean up the situation you with uh, uh, all the Chamber of Commerce and the registration of the company name, the company mm -hmm. names. Uh, so because there were still confusions when they were fighting to get the space because the, 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 the counterfeiter in that case was coming with a company that had the Simba name, which gave them access to very good retail space and uh, create confusion in the market. And I think that we can also talk about a very interesting uh, example, Porsche. Yeah, Porsche uh, is a bit of a different story. Um, in a way, they're less uh, unlucky than, um, than the one we've talked about. Before, uh, Castel, they, they, Porsche hasn't been fined, uh, to my knowledge, but uh, they had an interesting story because their famous uh, uh, car model names, so the famous, for example, the Cayenne uh, in Chinese, Cayenne, uh, is, uh, is a name that uh, they didn't think about registering. And since they have a very passionate fans in China, they created a website uh, for, for, for that actually present all the, the, the names of the models in Chinese. So it's pretty unified. Uh, in a way, there is not a multiple names coexisting and confusion. But one little thing that happened is that Porsche didn't own the, 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 the property, the intellectual property, the trademarks of uh, those names. And, uh, and so in some of the, the cases, they are owned by some uh, little companies producing electrical motorbikes in Jetion. Or And when Porsche wanted to, to get them, they uh, systematically uh, lost uh, the possibility to own their trademark. So uh, probably not hijacked and being fine, but they have been uh, losing the opportunity to own uh, all these brands. Thank you, Vladimir. So now let's move to the next reason, reason number three. Um, having a Chinese name is an ROI booster. It will help you to build your brand equity. So first of all, uh, if you don't have a Chinese name, your brand can be diluted. Sandrine Zerbiv, could you, could you tell us what dilution of a brand means? Well, um, I think uh, there are many ways of having your brand diluted. One way is indeed to have uh, your Chinese name not clearly defined and controlled by the brand and therefore left in the hands of counterfeiters, but also of just simply consumers who give you a name uh, or a sort of nickname uh, and uh, as a result, uh, the, your, name, your brand is represented by multiple names uh, in the market, which is a dilution because when you want to communicate, uh, then you, you communicate, it's much more difficult to communicate on uh, multiple names. Mm. Um, I think uh, also, uh, Vladimir, you want to, to talk about some, uh, some examples, which are positive examples where on the contrary, we see 
the strength of a name and we we understand uh, what yeah. is precisely the reverse of dilution. Yes. Yeah. So I think you know that <laughs> if you've been in the Chinese market of you coming, most of you must expect, and I hope you expect to be in a competitive place. And uh, that's what happened with uh, vitamin water uh, when they entered China. Very soon, they saw a competitor that looked very similar. Actually, the, what you see on the screen is not twice vitamin water, but actually vitamin water on the top and a competitor on the, bo uh, on the bottom. Uh, this, um, actually, these two brands, uh, this competitor is, is a very famous uh, Nongfu uh, Shanxuan, Nongfu Spring, also a big, big company. So not very easy to, um, to, to, to let's say, uh, to, to, to play against because they have very huge volume and vitamin water at the time. I mean, they, they easily compete on volume and mm -hmm. it's uh, hard to just get a, a win on the, on the design. Uh, but, but the good thing, they were able to di differentiate through the Chinese name because the, the Chinese name of Nongfu uh, Spring was uh, Li Yangdi, and for the Chinese name of, of the Coca-Cola brand vitamin water was Kulosh. So this is a way actually to see how you can build your equity in a very busy space by having something for which the consumer will be very uh, sensitive uh, about, on which he can make very, even subtle differences. And here is a, the difference is not so so little, the two names sounds quite different. And uh, in that way, you can actually carve out your, your, your brand equity and uh, avoid this phenomena that we mentioned of dilution in a market with a lot of competitors and sometimes copycats and confusion. Yeah, clear. So in this example is very clearly illustrating the fact that Chinese consumers will use the name to differentiate the product. And um, let's talk about uh, so a famous brand in China, Crocodiles, the free crocodile story. Yes, uh, I, I probably only uh, scratched the surface of this story. That, that maybe it's a saga of, uh, mm. with many episodes. So uh, <laughs> uh, well, my angle is actually just that uh, uh, Lacoste um, didn't necessarily uh, use the Chinese name to uh, actually carve out its brand equity. Uh, they are very recognizable visually with the uh, crocodile. So very naturally, <laughs> as a crocodile coming from France, the consumer said, ah, pago eu. It means like French crocodile. And then uh, what happened, I think because of this uh, very uh, uh, vibrant name uh, that uh, strikes the imagination, the, uh, you can picture it, uh, there is a lot of births of small crocodiles in China. Uh, we can see uh, two examples on the screen, uh, Cartello and Crocodile. Maybe some of them are coming from uh, different business partners, but I, I do, being uh, in China at the time when those uh, little crocodiles were being born, there was really dozens of them. And those are just uh, two big examples. Mm. So uh, my interpretation is that uh, of this uh, possibility is that Lacoste never tried to own or the crocodile name uh, or the, or maybe they tried too late to do that. Um, but, um, and they have actually an official name that is Lacoste that is not very well known by consumer. It's very phonetic, very neutral. I feel almost like Lacoste didn't really invest or trust in that name so much. Um, more like a transliteration, uh, not a lot of meaning. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about meaning a bit with other examples later on, but 
just, just also so for, 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 the, for the listeners today, it's interesting that uh, for, for those that are Western eye, I mean, just look at Cartello. Uh, for, for most of us, that's very different from Lacoste. But if you look more closely, it's almost an anagram of Lacoste. It's almost the same letters, uh, one, mm. one letter different. So it's also show a little bit how the Chinese consumers see the brands. You know, sometimes you don't see really the fine difference on the alphabetic name. You're much more easy. I mean, even something that is such a different anagram could be considered as a choice to confuse um, a Chinese uh, reader. It won't confuse you as a Western reader, but it's, it's a bit the phenomena we have maybe as Westerner, when we look at Chinese character, when we, our head can be very easily spinning yeah. and uh, we get to confuse two different brands. So uh, a question uh, on uh, brands and, and actually uh, something that is related to brands, is it's the creation by the, the consumers or fans of nicknames, such as, for example, uh, you know, many customers rename the brand or product as, for example, in uh, McDonald's becoming McDo. Mm -hmm. So do we have the same thing in China, so in Zerbi? Massively, uh, massively. Uh, nicknames are massive in China, probably even more so than in the West. Interesting. Uh, for brands, that's for sure, but even more so for products. Um, so usually product names are not very friendly names. And when the product is liked by the consumer, they would actually rename or nickname the product uh, to, to talk about it, just simply mm. to talk about it. And then it's actually gonna become a, a key for, for search. Uh, if the brand uh, knows how to manage this, it becomes a key for search on the, on the sales platform. Now, these nicknames in many cases are actually created by consumers who actually like these products. And they are fun, easy to remember. They refer to the shape, they refer to the quality of the product and things like that. They're not always easy to register, but one thing that at least brands can consider, and I think it's very important, is to try as much as possible to drive the creation of the nicknames mm -hmm. and not leave it entirely to uh, the consumers. Not that the consumers don't do a good job, but again, there is this dilution effect mm -hmm. that, that you may end up, if you leave it totally to the consumers, you may end up with multiple nicknames, which is not very easy then to manage. Yeah. and. Uh, and it's IP, it's a form of intellectual property, and it must be different in China than in other countries where the registration of this IP takes so much time. And today, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Vladimir Jorik, but uh, to register a trademark, it takes around uh, 12 to 18 months to take this kind of uh, time. So mm -hmm. it will affect the capacity of the, of the brands to react to this kind of uh, maybe seasonal phenomenon. Yeah, and I think a lot of brands actually decide not even to try because it's not only the, the time it takes, um, but it's also that uh, they have characteristics which are not registrable, mm. not 100% not of cases, but they often have character characteristics which are descriptive, basically, and are not easy to, to register. We can talk about the fourth reason, uh, another ROI booster your Chinese name should be appealing to your target market. Vladimir Jorovic, any specific examples? Well, we got, I'm going to share with you one example I really like. Uh, it's uh, the Chinese name of Chanel, Xiang uh, Nai R. So uh, because it tells a lot of stories uh, about, uh, about what's a name and uh, also it, it breaks some, uh, uh, sometimes some 
uh, you know, ideas that our, cust our customers that come to develop a name have about what's a good name. Uh, obviously, when you hear sound IR, for a Western ear, maybe you don't get it's very close, but for a Chinese ear, it's quite close because uh, so for, for when you've been in China for a period of time, you say, oh, okay, Chanel, Chanel, it's quite close phonetically. Uh, there is no real total, uh, there is many ways to be close phonetically. That's why mm -hmm. actually choosing a name is a bit of an art because you have many options. And, and none of them is, is a very few are, are pure transliteration and they could be unique. We've, we've seen before Lacoste, it's one of many transliteration because there's many characters that pronounce the same. But here, why Chanel is a good name is I, I think uh, because it has one part, the Xiang, which I, which talk about Xiang Shui, the, the perfume. And it talks, uh, we, we also have uh, the fragrance, uh, like uh, here we have Fang Xiang and we have also, uh, for if you for Chinese uh, consumer that travel to Paris, they will they will see the map and they will see Champs Elysees. They'll go on Champs Elysees. Champs Elysees in Chinese is using this Xiang character in in it, and we know it's linked with also the story of Chanel. So it's resonating uh, with um, uh, with uh, uh, several uh, mental association that are linked with the brand. And it's, uh, you know, and a good name should have this power to evocate multiple level and to be almost like a way to enter into the universe of the brand. Uh, not to mention that Xiang is a re relatively feminine uh, character in this evocation. And Chanel is famous for being one of the, the only uh, big fashion brand without male fashion collections. Uh, all this in one character, but just, just, the last two characters, I didn't talk too much about them. Uh, Naya R actually are quite phonetic uh, pointers. And uh, one interesting thing in this, in this uh, name is that Naya R are carrying less meaning. Actually, the translation of them is not very, uh, R has no meaning. And Naya means endurance or in its main meaning. It's not what's written on the slide, but it's uh, one of the main meaning. And NIR uh, is actually almost very quickly in a, in a, sec, in a fraction of a second, a, a Chinese reader will know that this is maybe a translation. It's mm. characters that I use, it's not as, as clear as in Japanese when you have a specific characters or, or even an alphabet for that. But for a Chinese reader, that's a pointer. Ah, this is an adapted name from a foreign country maybe. So this name is a mix of meaning and pointers indicating to the reader that this is a foreign name. It's beautiful because it, you can actually, by using Chinese character, uh, indicate to your consumer that you come from abroad, you're a foreign brand. Mm. By, being more by using Chinese, you show that you are actually coming from abroad. It breaks a big myth that actually to be foreign, you don't need to use Chinese character. Here, this name shows actually you can achieve good evocations and also uh, say who you are, stay true to yourself in a way. Uh, by the use of these characters. So, wow. yeah. We can feel your passion, Vladimir. Mm. And uh, an interesting story and, and funny one is uh, the other example that we follow, which is Bing, the, <laughs> the research engine. Yeah, Bing in Chinese, what does it mean again? Yeah, yeah. If you ask a Chinese <laughs> a colleague that is not very familiar, that is going, uh, spending his time on Baidu, if he hear Bing uh, in, in English, he will uh, think, well, uh, you must be crazy. I mean, it's something bad or being, it doesn't work well. You know, something that doesn't work well 
your Bing, you know, uh, means that uh, it's defectuous, it's not a very good tool. So, so if uh, this brand Bing was launched in China, in China without a Chinese name, to kind of correct the sound of the alphabetic name, I think it would have been a lot of laughter mm. and a lot of problem. Actually, probably it has already because it's fighting against Baidu to some extent, it's very hard. But the Chinese name Bing, I think is actually quite interesting and definitely helpful for this name to even have an existence here and not being actually laughed about all the day, mm-hmm. all day long, I would say. It's being is actually quite quite elegant name in terms of meaning because it's so, it's close phonetically, but it's not being, it's being. So it's actually for, for a Chinese uh, consumer, it's already very different. And being means to must comply. So that's very nice because you enter a name and the result will comply with what you put. So it's actually a very nice name on the uh, f- functional uh, benefit you get from a search engine. Yeah, it's a great example of uh, a Chinese name helping the, the brand uh, name and saving the brand name mm-hmm. on the Chinese. And reason number five, uh, becoming part of the Chinese culture, your Chinese brand name is the local embodiment of your brand's culture, values, personality, and vision. Sandrine Zerbi, what do you think about this concept? Well, I think it's very important because when you choose uh, when you choose your Chinese name, and I think Vladimir uh, had great uh, examples and was quite passionate, and it was actually fascinating yeah. in his explanations. <laughs> uh, you need to think about a lot of things. You need to think uh, it's not just about transliteration. This is way insufficient. It's about summoning a, a series of connotations through these characters. Uh, that and these connotations, of course, are going to talk about your brand, what truly is your brand, but also it's the beginning of your positioning because you're going to make a decision. You're going to choose between multiple possibilities. As Vladimir noticed and insisted on, uh, one character, uh, not one character, one sound uh, can have multiple characters, but the choice of character will already be the beginning of a decision on how you want to position in China. So um, in this sense, it's really the way you, it's your go-to-market. It's your first step in your go-to-market. You're right. Uh, and we can show some, some examples. Example, uh, we have an example uh, maybe for HSBC. Uh, Vladimir, you may want to talk about it. Yes. So uh, HSBC, you know, about being an, an embodiment uh, of the brand uh, for the local the local market, uh, let's talk about HSBC, you know, coming back to China, being Hong, uh, the acronym means Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank Corporation. So you, you're already very close to the market, but they choose in Chinese not to be called Xiangang, uh, Shanghai. It's like Huifeng in Chinese, and it's a name that talks about uh, to, to amass or to, to get the convergence of, uh, of wealth and richness. So it's talking to a very uh, practical uh, benefit of a bank of getting wealth, uh, accumulating wealth. Uh, so this is an interesting story of like how brand that comes from, from China and have been a, you know, developing in the West and becoming almost a, a Western I- iconic brand. When they come back in China, you reinterpret yourself and you, you make yourself actually relevant uh, to the market because you don't want to compete with the Shanghai Bank that is local, that is called Shanghai Bank, 
to be very close to you. And that has very, at the time when HSBC entered, yeah, because uh, was having much lower standard than HSBC. So in order to position your brand and not be competing uh, you know, in the wrong space, uh, the name can help you start from the right foot uh, right away. The other example maybe that we can talk about is MasterCard. Yeah, another one that we can uh, dream about and we can feel like uh, how we can make yourself relevant uh, in a very striking strong way to talk about the benefit because MasterCard, not too bad in English, MasterCard, it's a good card, uh, but in Chinese, uh, one shita, I mean, th then we get to read something much more thrilling because it's, uh, as you know, one shi in Chinese means uh, 10,000 things and da means achieve. So the name in Chinese means literally achieve 10,000 things. 10,000 in Chinese mean is the highest number in the decimal system. Uh, one zero more than in the West. Everything is a bigger scale in China, of course. Uh, so <laughs> yes. the, the decimal system. And then when you reach 10,000, you reach the infinite in a way. You know? And that, that means that the name says not only that you can reach 10,000 things, but actually that you can reach anything uh, with this card. So it's very, uh, very uh, inspiring. And um, it reads very well, very smoothly, very easy to remember. So uh, great, great name. They can then remove the English. They can only use the icon. They did that actually. Uh, I mean, uh, globally, but I think the Chinese name will will stay like a strong imprint. So you are kind of uh, announcing actually uh, the number six, the reason number six, becoming part of the Chinese culture. Your brand without Chinese names runs the risk of being perceived as brand that is distant from the Chinese consumers. Yeah. Uh, I, I choose for, the, for talking about this point, uh, 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 luxury brands, because um, the topic of having a Chinese name for luxury brands is often where it epitomizes the topic of like, do we need a Chinese name or not? Mm. Uh, often the luxury brands say, well, uh, you know, we want to stay true to our origin. Uh, and there is also 20 years ago, you know, when uh, the conception, it has been changing progressively that uh, the, the less uh, Chinese uh, identity you bring to a name, the more you will have a form of aspirational value uh, to Chinese. And we still have a little bit of this thinking sometime when, with our client. Uh, I'm sharing here some of the phenomena with, uh, that, that of a pioneer brand. I think mm -hmm. Louis Vuitton, I mean, uh, not a client of me, but I must praise uh, their strategy because... Um, uh, the two pictures here are taken about uh, a few years apart. Uh, the, the, the one on the top is um, maybe in the beginning of the 2010 uh, years, like seven, eight years ago. Uh, and you can see the use of Louis Vuitton and below you have the Chinese name. Those are large advertising. In the street. In the street. Uh, the one on the top, billboard, I think this one is actually, I think, taken in um, airport. The one below is taken on Nanjing, Ciro, Nanjing West Road, actually just where the heart of the luxury uh, malls are. And I was very impressed to see that in 2013-14, uh, uh, to see this Louis Weidong and uh, Louis Xingxiu de Jendi. This is the tagline. Uh, we have like a few, and as you are, if you don't read Chinese, and if you don't have good eyesight, you can't even see the... 
the, 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 the LV uh, on the bag that is very small on the blue bag, there is the buckle, I mean, the, mm. the, the closing uh, part is, is, the, is the monogram. But if you don't have this very good eyesight, uh, you can't get its Vuitton. Yeah. And I think this is actually showing how a, a luxury brand is actually getting closer to the heart of the customers. Uh, by communicating in Chinese. They don't do this all the time, but they do it sometime and more and more, actually, uh, to, and uh, on the digital touch point, more and more, actually, more than on the, on the billboards. Uh, so very interesting. And Louis Vuitton for the story, it's uh, quite a transliteration, but a transliteration with um, a few asperities in terms of quality of the name, because the Lou, uh, Louis is a quite common translation of Louis, but it happens that Lou, in that case, means the road and the travel, the journey, which is very linked, which links to the bagagist type of uh, heritage of Louis Vuitton. And, and then uh, the end is actually all about the ascension, which is a bit about what you get with uh, when you afford luxury. <laughs> it's a bit mm -hmm. of uh, this type of elevation uh, feeling, be it social, be it uh, you know, way of uh, prestige. Yeah, experiential as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for all these examples, Vladimir uh, Jurovic. And um, now it's time to conclude, uh, to summarize. So, what are the, the benefits of a, a Chinese brand name, Sandrine Zabik? Can you maybe uh, start with uh, the first idea? Yeah, I think uh, Vladimir organized uh, these benefits very well. Um, first, it empowers your consumers to, um, to find, to recognize, and to remember and talk about your brand easily. And if you don't have this Chinese name, it will have a difficulty to mention it, and therefore it will not talk so comfortably about your brand. And we know that today, consumers have the power to talk about your brand much more than advertising, actually. Um, second, of course, there are all the legal aspects that we discussed. It's not sufficient to register your alphabetical brand. You absolutely need to register your Chinese name uh, or what a Chinese name that you have worked on, because otherwise someone will create it, re will register it, and might actually create serious troubles for you that may cost you money and, uh, and, time. Eight, and time and eight to 10 years of, uh, of lawsuits. Um, maybe you want to continue yeah, on? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I think on the on, uh, so, so third point is about to distinguish uh, your brand from similar brands. We talk about the dilution. We want to avoid that. So, uh, yeah, so sometimes you have similar English names, logos, products. A Chinese name uh, really gets you uh, very visible in the crowd. Very good way to stand and to be uh, remembered. Um, and uh, Point four, uh, one of the benefits is to attract more Chinese customers with a good name that please them and also that they can share. Uh, point five, to reinterpret, they, reinterpret they, uh, the problem, to reinvent if you want your brand in a way that it's, uh, it fits uh, its Chinese, the Chinese culture and, and the business environment. It means that you don't want necessarily to, re, um, uh, to, to reinvent something that is not true yourself but actually to just find find a way to be more relevant and uh, more, more closer to the culture yeah and uh, of course all six reasons are equally important there is no doubt about this 
but uh, as uh, a specialist of e-commerce and in the context of our webinar, which is Crack the Code of E-commerce in China, I would say that one in five are absolutely essential. Uh, and I want to re-insist on these two. Uh, number one, uh, nowadays you need to let consumers talk about you. And if you forget this, or if you don't give them the right way of talking about you, you're gonna lose a lot. Number two, your name is also a way of positioning your brand. Your Chinese name is a way of positioning your brand in, in this Chinese market. And this is equally essential. As we said earlier, it's, it's the first step in making a statement on who you are for the Chinese consumers. Yeah. Question for you, Vladimir Jovic, before ending uh, this uh, super interesting webinar. How do you create a name? I think we could create another webinar, this question, <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll try to respond uh, quickly. Um, the, the, uh, uh, do not hesitate to contact me, by the way, because I'll tell you more details. Uh, but if you uh, want, in short, uh, there is a free, uh, the process to create a name takes about uh, a month to uh, six weeks uh, when we work with our clients. And, and usually uh, we have three uh, important steps uh, uh, to the process. One is forced to uh, create a name that uh, fits the brand value and to, and to reflect the brand. But uh, when we do this, we have also to, to think about the legal availability. So the, the legal availability of a name, uh, mm -hmm. the screen, it, it's very hard today to register a trademark. To, uh, we, we know that uh, you can have legal issues. We talk about that uh, to, if you don't create one, but to create one, that, to find one that is good and available is very hard. It's really like, uh, uh, like a needle in a haystack, as we, to, uh, as we say. Uh, we, we usually, uh, as we talk about numbers, we create... A, so for each project, we create hundreds, and you will be surprised, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of names mm -hmm. just to get uh, 10 or 20 candidates uh, that are available. And uh, it's a, so this, this part of the process is very important. It's a volume yes. uh, creation, I mean, quality and volume, but volume is very necessary for that. Second thing is that uh, we, we talk about the language as being written during the whole presentation, but... The language is spoken in China, and there is many dialects in China. The good thing is that with a Chinese name you're in China, the, the good thing is there's only one written language. We are not like um, maybe in India, you need to, to have different languages. But in China, only one written language. So only one name in Chinese in a written form. But the same name will be pronounced differently in Cantonese, in Shanghainese, in Beijingese, or in different dialects, uh, in different type of Mandarin. So we usually do a linguistic test uh, that takes about one week to test the different dialects. Uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, you will have very, very serious issues in, in choosing your name if you don't do this objectively and a bit systematically, because every time you present a name to a new person in your company or in your business partner, everyone react to the name. You, you saw my passion. Every Chinese consumer has maybe half of my passion, at least to, to, to these names, and, and they will then find uh, associations, and sometimes they could find a negative one. But how important is this negative association? That's the, the thing. If many people, at least two or three, if it's recurrent uh, issue, then you should really reconsider that name. So that's the second step, the linguistic change. The last one is... Um, in the process that we do for is to, to, to optimize with the consumer. So we work with uh, research as well. 
to test the name. So that's about just in short the big steps, uh, generating a big amount of names, screening them equally linguistically, and in a way optimizing them in a marketing way. And uh, for each project, we have uh, you know screening at each step is quite important, and we avoid important mistakes at each step. Yeah. So I guess it it, it replies. Uh... I mean, to, to make sure that the, the name works well, at the end, you will do a market study and you will test it with the population, uh, test, testing population. Yeah, it could be qualitative research, quantitative research, both exist, mostly for FMCG brands or for B2C brands. Um, and, um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think we have a que another yeah. question. So I can uh, maybe... Uh, read the question for everyone is uh or maybe bruno granger wants to read it. yeah yeah i mean uh, what i mean what type of chinese name uh, tends to work better is it a direct phonetic translation uh, or uh, is it uh, a combination does it matter yeah uh, I, I will start and i think we can have different uh, views on, on this so uh, just quickly uh, uh, on, on, on this is that yamasun uh, or uh, or, for Amazon. or for, uh, for Amazon or we run for Microsoft that is very semantic. There's also Oracle, uh, Tiaguan in that type of spirit, you know, uh, that is very semantic uh, or mixed like Starbucks. I think there is no universal rule that for sure. Uh, you can look at different opportunity. Uh, more broadly, I will say that the purely phonetic name uh, is, a, is often like a very safe choice. You don't, uh, no risk, uh, no pain, no gain, no risk. Uh, I mean, you kind of edge your risk mm -hmm. and you don't take too much risk, but then you will not maybe benefit too much of gains neither. And, but it could be the, the, the right choice for some brands to, to go more towards that, that direction because it's maybe hard to find a very brilliant name. It's not always possible to find this excellent name that become... Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's actually, and it's becoming more and more difficult these these days because of the of the legal constraint. Yes. Um, okay. And the problem is that when you register a trademark, you will submit your trademark to the to the trademark office, and then after a while, they will reject it. So you cannot access to a, a quick test to know if the name is available. There is no open uh, open list. So you have to file and then. Wait for being rejected. Uh, so, so, so for this, uh, we you have an, a way to. So, the, technically speaking, we you, you we have access to the trademark database, uh, so that we can do screenings. Yes. But but there is uh, one blind period sure. of three weeks of That's three right. months. Uh, but the the, the the number of names that are concerned in this three month period of registration is not that that big. So it, it impacts, in our case, about 1% of the projects. Uh, we come up with a surprise that actually someone was, something was invisible in the trademark database because it was being under revision yes. uh, in the last weeks, so no one can, could knew about it. But, it, but you could uh, actually uh, always... Um, you can try to reduce uh, the risk. The risk, the risk exists. Oh, and plus you can know the availability, not the acceptability. That's the um, point. They, exactly. that, that's the issue. You yeah. may actually have a name which is available, but will eventually be rejected by the trademark office. Sure. So of course, you can access the database to check the evidence. But sometimes, I mean, the experience yeah. shows that Absolutely. brands are filed, then there is rejection, and the, the reason of the rejection is not so clear. Exactly. 
So yeah. it still remains. Right. And the practical advice for, for most of the brands that uh, and the companies that are listening that is to actually uh, try to register for that reason, actually two names mm -hmm. uh, yes. to have a backup. Uh, because even though we, we feel that there is a, a possibility to have 99% of chance to get it, there's still 1% of risk. If you get two of them, mm -hmm. first you, you, you edge your risk even lower. You will have a, and, uh, and you will also have a second brand maybe for, for the future uh, to, uh, to use. I mean, uh, because a trademark registration lasts 10 years. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's better to use it Need more yeah. to be guaranteed that it doesn't uh, get um, uh, re, you know uh, cancelled uh, after a period of time. But uh, most of the time, it's good to have two trademarks. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it helps you to have um, a backup because you you will not wait the trademarks. You don't need to wait the trademark to be fully registered to use it. Mm -hmm. yes. You can start to use it, and then uh, but of course, if you make a big big campaign on something that is on shaky grounds. That could be a problem, but if you start slowly, then uh, maybe uh, you can still. You don't need to wait the trademark registration to be active. An application is actually uh, already a very very good start. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you so much, Sandrine Zabin. Thank you, Vladimir Jorovic. Thank you to you. Thank you to everyone, to the audience. And thank you, yeah, all to attend our webinar. Comments are welcome. We will soon publish podcast uh, on our social networks and of course with Sandrine we are working on the next topic have a nice evening everybody have a nice day have a nice evening goodbye Bye. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast it was presented in collaboration between Fulljet and Leaf a law firm based in China And if you want to know more on how to crack the code of the China e-commerce, don't hesitate to visit our website www.leaf-legal.com. -E